0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Draft.com. Draft in your app store is a great way to play fantasy sports. They started out with a snake-style draft just the way you like them, so you don't have to worry about any ownership issues. None of that. They did auction drafts, best ball drafts, so many other ways to do it. They have baseball, NBA, NFL, NHL, PGA, the works. It is awesome. So go check them out, draft.com, draft in your app store. And if you're new to draft, make your first deposit with promo code SDSports, S-D as in dog, sports, and you'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. Any type, snake style, best ball, any sport, $3 tournament of your choice, promo code SDSports, draft.com, draft in your app store. If you like playing MLB, DFS, and even some NBA DFS right now, go check out the QuantEdge.com, great new fantasy website. They started with NFL, they got an NBA, and now they're doing MLB. I'm a contributor over there. The content is great. The member Discord is outstanding, and the tools are what it's all about. They have the lineup optimizer, an injury tool, a Vegas tool, which is awesome, a stat cast tool, a bullpen tool, a weather tool, an umpire tool. They're making more and more and more whatever you want to help you build your lineups. They do it at thequantedge.com, and I highly recommend it. You get the MLB season package for the rest of the year for $124.99. Or you can try the all-sports first month, so you get the NBA playoffs and MLB for $19.99. Or try a five-day all-sport package for $5.99. You can do it all with promo code BUBBA. So, go to thequantage.com, get the package you are looking for with promo code BUBBA. Last but not least, for your rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. Every rating and review moves the podcast up the chart so more and more people can find it and listen to it. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 168, with our good buddy Nathan Dawkins of The Nasty Cast, talking some Week Six Fantasy Baseball Fab and Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 4. Everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 168. Gonna have a very good friend of the podcast return to the show to talk about some recent MLB injuries and news. Talk about the recent week's Fab who spent too much so we can laugh at him. All that good stuff, and then of course to recap Game of Thrones season eight episode four, one of the more interesting episodes we had in a while. The goods and bads of it all. In order to do so, our buddy find him on Twitter at Nathan Dawkin. Nate, how we doing, my friend?
2: What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Although I'm kind of sad now that I'm on this week instead of next week when it would be episode 169.
1: No, that'd be this Thursday. Actually, that's why I couldn't do it because I need you on for Thrones. That's the problem. Ah, I see. Yeah, I know. Trust me, I got. I tried to get Yancy Eaton on episode 69, and he kept canceling. I said I was trying to do something nice for you. You couldn't do it, so he got shafted there. So maybe oh, he
2: just he just can't appreciate a good friendship. That Yancy,
1: He's, he's 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 you know. You need a, He's more of like a Varys than a Tyrion. That's what he is. He's just, oh, yeah. And here's you. But we'll get into Game of Thrones as that was fun, fun times. Before we get into everything, though, why don't you let everybody know what you got going on as you are a busy, busy man in the Fantrax universe?
2: Yeah, so uh, all my work these days is at Fantrax HQ, Um, so I put out every Monday, I've got a Fire and Ice, it's a player performance piece where I look at one really hot player and one really cold player, and uh, also Game of Thrones related titles, so... Uh, All ties in very nicely. This week, I looked into Caleb Smith and Brian Dozier. And then every Friday, I have my starting pitcher barometer coming out. And I re-rank the top 100 starting pitchers every single week. So it's fun just to, you know, see where your staff lies. And then I also go into... Uh, the big risers, the big followers of the week, a lot of the newcomers, and uh, just kind of talk about the pitching landscape in general. So it's a pretty big beast, but uh, I enjoy it. And of course, I'm also hosting, as always, the Nasty Cast Fantasy Baseball podcast with uh, Van Lee and Ron Rigney. And uh, the trio of us also do Fantrax Dynasty Baseball. So two different weekly podcasts for y'all to consume and uh, some nice written content out there at Fantrax HQ.
1: Yeah, go check it out. Great content, great guys, and uh, really like the uh, the Nasty Cast guys as they've been on the show before. They're a good group of guys, so it's always fun having them on. So go check out their product and go listen to it as they have been doing it even longer than me. So go get in there and check them out. Uh, good stuff as always. Let's get into more injuries. I, I joke about it, sadly, every episode because every three to four days there's a slew of new injuries that come through, Nate. Uh, AJ Pollock, we we discussed on the last episode how he – got put on the the IL for fragments from a previous surgery they had to clean out of his elbow. Now he's out until at least July, if everything goes well. Are you are there leagues like what are the deepest of leagues you will drop AJ Pollock right now?
2: Um I mean if if you don't have the DL spots for him, then I uh, you know if you're in a standard mixed league, he's probably replaceable at 10-12 team mixers uh because that's a long time to hold on to a guy if you don't have the well the il slot i think i called it the dl still process sorry no, um it's all good i, I do it every <laughs> time you can't grow up like your entire life calling it one thing and just, just switch it at the drop of a hat no. oh my gosh but uh yeah i actually i got some questions about pollock I, when i was doing my uh ama for uh Fantrex hq and i was kind of confused because it's so early and his numbers weren't really that bad. You know, he wasn't stealing a lot of bases, but sadly this is kind of what we've come to expect from AJ Pollock. He tends to get injured every year and that's just part of the profile when you draft him. Um, So, I mean, yeah, if you're in deeper leagues, I think the upside is still there. So you would want to hang on to him, but in the meantime, it's, uh, it's Verdugo time, right? He's going to get a little bit more playing time and uh, could see a little bit more Chris Taylor too, but I'm a little more excited about, verdugo um you know just elite contact hitter uh, draws a lot of walks uh not going to be a ton of power speed in there but uh, just being in that dodgers lineup all the time should be pretty solid for runs and rbi so i mean if you're looking for a direct replacement right there verdugo at least in deeper leagues is not a bad way to go
1: yeah i, I like the verdugo call quite a bit um, it, it was good to see this past weekend too We got some starts with some lefties so that that makes us feel real good because you know the dodgers like to dodge every possible scenario they can mm-hmm. And, you know, the first time I think a lefty was out there, Chris Taylor did get the start. And he's been playing much better, and he's stealing bags. And, and he guess he couldn't play much worse, to be true. But um, So he is going to get a shot, like you said. But looking at Verdugo, if he gets that everyday type stuff, that's going to be outstanding. So big fan of that. We've been wanting him to get playing time. This might be the ticket. It looks like it should be the ticket. So he should have been sniped all over the place this past week. And if he's still available somewhere, definitely should be on the roster in all leagues right about now. All right, Pittsburgh Pirates, Jamison Tyon, you know, great year last year, kind of a hiccupy year this year. Injured elbow, same elbow. Obviously, he has had Tommy John surgery on before. They're showing no damage to the UCL ligament that involves the Tommy John surgery, but he's not going to throw for at least four weeks. So that means he'll have to rehab for by another like three to four whenever he starts throwing the ball again. We're talking two months or more for Jamison Tyon. How are you evaluating Jamison Tyon on your rosters right now?
2: It's very sad. I was really high on Tyon coming into the year and uh, his his supporting metrics had been terrific, but the results had been a little bit more mediocre than you wanted. I definitely didn't expect him to be a huge strikeout guy, but uh, just a guy who pitched deep into starts and uh, was just really solid uh, across the board. And so this is a soul crusher for me. I've been pretty fortunate as far as injuries go for the most part across my leagues, not the one necessarily where I went uh, one, two with Trey Turner and Aaron Judge, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But, you know, I think it would be Mitch Keller time, maybe, if he were throwing more strikes at AAA. Sadly, that is not the case. And uh, the other replacements in that rotation are not too... Not they don't look too good to me. Um, uh, Look for Kingham. Kingham. (laughs) No, no, I was just going to bring him up. Yeah, he's going to move into the rotation now, but uh, he's he's got some work to do. You know, I'm still interested in him, maybe long term, but uh, it might be a rough transition over the next couple weeks. So it would take a pretty deep league before I'm looking at Kingham. Uh, and I do have him somewhere, unfortunately. <laughs> but, I, you know, that again, deep league. And then you've got, like, Stephen Brault. He's Stephen Brault. I don't care about Stephen Brault. Um, so I'm probably looking elsewhere for fillers. But uh, for Tyon, I'm cr- crossing my fingers. I'm stashing him everywhere on my IL slots and hoping that the second half is nice.
1: Yeah, we've, you've mentioned on the first two, guys, and we mentioned it every time with these IL situations, that like you can stash him on your slots. Now, when you're playing, like, NFBC and we play TGFBI on NFBC, just how have you been going about it this year with all these injuries, and you have no IL spots? Like, how are you approaching that? Because I've had to look at it differently than any other league because you can't just stash guys. It really are you or if you do, you stash them. You have to drop someone you might not want to. Like, it's really really odd. How have you been going about that so far?
2: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you can't really compete with uh, a bunch of empty slots in your in your active lineup. So um, it comes down to crunch time and you've got to drop somebody that you just don't want to drop and and hope that uh, nobody else has the spot to, to stash them. And they've had some, you know, some better injury luck as well. But um, I've just like I said, I've actually not run into that problem too much where my entire bench is filled. Uh, with injured players, uh, I've been a little bit more fortunate in the injury regard so far this year. Not going. I'm just jinxing myself so hard right now saying that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you, you just gotta you gotta cut the losses, man. If it's you know if it's somebody like AJ Pollock and you just don't have the room to sit and wait for this guy for a couple of months, he's got to go.
1: Yep, yep. It, it's tricky. So just wanted to put that out there to people that it's it's a rough go, rough go these days. And a rough go for Carlos Rodon, set to have an opinion for possible Tommy John. The kid has been battling injury after injury every year. The stuff we know is very good. The consistency has not been. He's shown some signs of life this year. And then next thing you know, down he goes again. It looks like everything's pointing to Tommy John. But, again, having a second opinion, Pretty you just cut and bait with Rodon you now? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, if, if it does come to Tommy John, obviously then he's, he's an easy cut. Um, I've dropped him. I had him in two shallow mixed leagues and I just dropped him in both of those. Uh, it's really sad because he was, I mean, he, he got touched up really bad in his last start. Uh, but you know, he was just throwing the crap out of that slider 37% this year, uh, by far the highest he's ever thrown it. And the strikeouts were just through the roof, but this is unfortunately part of the profile with Carlos Rodan. He just gets nicked up every year and, uh, he walks too many guys. Doesn't have a third pitch. I mean, it, it hasn't changed too much. The only thing that was different is just that slider usage, uh, cranking up the strikeout rate. Um, so it's it's really unfortunate. I've loved Carlos Rodon ever since he was drafted. Just love, love, love that slider so much. And I really hope it's not another Tommy John, but
1: uh, you know what to do if it is. Yep, if it is, there's nothing you can do, so it sucks. Really, really sucks, as you said. We've been kind of pulling for this kid for quite some time. Uh, Mr. Unique, Unique Elbow himself, David Price, Going to the IL, dropped on there today, retroactive to the third, tendonitis in his left elbow. Yes, here we go again. David Price, injury concerns. He was awesome in the postseason last year. He's been pretty decent this year, 3.75 ERA, striking out 10.5 batters per nine. Uh, I haven't seen anything that shows this being too serious. Do you have any thoughts on uh, David Price going to the IL?
2: Uh, yeah, just uh, the him I would try to hold on to because, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to be hopefully too long of a thing. Maybe just shut him down, get him a little bit of rest and, and everything. You know, I don't know, he'd inject some steroid sandwiches into that elbow, whatever it takes uh, to get him back out there. But he was doing really, really well this year. And so this definitely sucks for those who did invest in him. I wasn't one of them. I don't have any shares of him because the injury concerns did worry me a little bit. And he's not getting any younger up at, uh, what, 33 years old. So. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's one of the few starting pitchers in the landscape of starting pitching this year that you really want to hang on to who could basically uh, be your staff ace. Um, so I would do what I can to hang on to Price.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be too much. It doesn't seem like it'll be too much. But I guess we'll wait and see um, with the injuries. Uh, hopefully it's nothing that kind of lingered on from last year, but then he pitched well. Who knows? With David Price, it could be a million different things. But, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see on that one. One that concerns me quite a bit is because I don't like to pay for closers, but every now and then you do. And I went to took uh, Blake Chyna in the Barf League. Uh, I, I thought he had him a good value. Everything was going great. He's kind of scuffled a bit. And now we find out he's got, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, stiffness or uncomfortable nature in, say, his, his throwing arm. But after a couple of days rest, he seems to be doing okay, he says. Shouldn't have to go on the I.L., what are your levels of concern or what are you thinking when it comes to Blake Trinan right now?
2: Uh, well, I do have a Blake Trinan share. One of them, I actually invested heavily in, uh, that was uh, the auction league actually that we did the podcast league auction draft. Um, and I thought that the closer prices for the top tier were just super cheap. And so I got both him and Kenley Jansen. And so far I am discovering why I usually cheap out on saves, but, uh, yeah, so I, I am kind of sweating it a little bit there. It's a little bit disconcerting. I did pick up Lou Trevino in uh, TGFBI this past week. I spent 22 bucks on him to get his services, just in case. You know, it just sounds a little bit ominous. So uh, I had a roster spot to play with, so I just kind of picked him up almost on a whim. And uh, it's not even necessarily for sure that he would be the saves getter if uh, you know, they, they did t- decide to, uh, you know, sort of pull the plug or or uh, do an IL stint. But, um, you know, it, it might also be Joaquin Soria, who is kind of the quote-unquote closer. But I think Trevino's the better pitcher. And so, you know, at least if you're not getting the saves, he's going to give you good ratios, good strikeouts. And uh, I think that they should give the better job to the closer. And so that's why I decided to go with Trevino. But it's it's not a slam dunk, and it sounds like, Um, you know, he'll be good to go this week. So, you know, we'll see if that's messing with the situation is really even necessary.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, Trevino's a guy I liked even last year. I got a little shares of him in leagues where he just looked for good ratios and whatnot. Um, And then this year, he's been very, very good, kind of right where he left off. You mentioned Soria looks to be the guy for now. You also have, um, you have... Uh, Fernando Rodney, who you remember very well from Minnesota's days. <laughs> he blew one in great Fernando Rodney fashion. So I guess we'll wait and see how it goes. But right now, it weirdly looks like it is Soria's job. And, and then maybe Trevino there. I'm with you, though. Trevino's the guy I would want. So I guess we'll wait and see. But hopefully, big picture, nothing's wrong with China. We just business as usual would be the way to go. All right. Wanted to mention a prospect here because you do do these podcasts with the boys. And honestly, I, I think I stay in the dynasty loop pretty well. I'm not by any means an expert or anything like that. But Josh Van Meter from the Reds got the call up. Really didn't know anything about him until recently, just because he's crushing baseballs in the PCL. But what's your, what are you seeing with Van Meter? What's his kind of fantasy appeal for us right now?
2: Uh, yeah, he um, wasn't exactly on my redraft radar either. So uh, I wouldn't feel too bad if I if I was you. Um, he's You know, I think he's a deep league ad at this point just because I don't necessarily know if the playing time is going to be there. I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys who kind of got dinged on most prospect lists because of a lack of true defensive home. And so I think he's going to be kind of one of those Swiss Army Knife type of players if he does stick uh, with Cincinnati. But, I mean, the numbers, if you just look them up at, at AAA this year, are astounding you know hitting well over 300 with 13 home runs in 30 games is just bonkers um you know i obviously wouldn't expect anything near those kind of numbers but he is a guy who can give you some pop and some speed so i think if you're in a deeper league if you're uh in the type of league where say like david fletcher is uh is owned and being started then that's probably where i would also be looking to add
1: a josh van meter Okay, good to know. I'll see how his, his week goes with the Reds. As Nixon Zell went double dongs on today, on Monday. And he's been a freak already, as people were hoping. So we'll see where Van Meter fits in there in the everyday role for those guys. His, guys like Jose Iglesias are producing. Like, the Reds are just doing weird Reds things right now. They can't find people in their lives, but they can hit the ball. So that's always fun.
2: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's we weird talk
1: about because –
2: I was just going to say, I mean, there's, uh, yeah. so they, they got rid of Matt camp, right. And they still have too many mouths to feed and that, you know, all across that team. And eventually Scooter Jeanette is going to be back, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's crazy how stacked it, my Jesse, my poor Jesse Winker shares. I own him all over the place. I got like a hundred percent Winker exposure, which sounds weird to say, but um, you know, so I, I'm kind of dreading this whole uh, Nick Senzel thing. He needs to suck and go back to AAA. That's my completely unbiased opinion.
1: It's better than having all the Winker share, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but, yes, <laughs> I, I I think I, I'd like to live in a world where Winker and Sinzel can live together because they just let Shevler, they optioned him as well. So I'm hoping they can find a way to put both of them out there with Yasiel. It's going to be tricky. I'm with you. It's going to be very, very tricky. But I, I know going into the season, I was big on this Reds offense. Scooter Jeanette, Daniel Suarez, um, you, you hoped that – the outfield situation would play out the way it kind of is. Joey Votto hasn't even woke up yet. Like there, there's a lot to like with that offense and no pitching. So be curious mm-hmm. to see how it all. Let's head to the Bronx. We talked about AJ Pollock and all his injuries history. James Paxton back to the ten day I- IL. This is what Pax gonna miss around two to three weeks. it looks like right now with his uh, knee injury? Laces his knee. Nothing throwing wise. What's your takes on this? Just a pretty minor deal? Or are you actually concerned?
2: Um, no, this is completely what you have to expect with James Paxton. He misses time every single year. Um, there's a reason that he unfortunately was a don't for me. And uh, my, he was a starting pitcher don't this preseason just because of the price he had to pay for his services uh, when his career-high innings pitched to something like 160 innings um I if I'm going to pay the ace price I want that ace workload and you know 200 plus strikeouts and uh as good as Paxton is and he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch he's one of my favorite real life pitchers I just didn't love the fantasy value this year so I mean this is what you get if you drafted him you should have expected this um so you just have to fill in for those innings and uh you know we we saw Jonathan Lysiga called up now and uh, I also acquired his services in TGFBI this past week, um, I spent 43 bucks on him. And uh, I do think that he's pretty good for some ratios and some Ks in the short term, but I don't necessarily know that he's going to be able to pitch very deep in the game. So if you're in a quality starts type of format, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't go after him too hard there, but uh, maybe he goes five innings a couple times and gets some wins for you. Um, you know, so as, as far as the short term interim on that staff, I, you know, I do like me some Johnny lasagna.
1: Yeah, I, see, I call him Johnny Lasagna all the time. I was going to give you massive kudos. The way you pronounce Lois Siga was like top-notch. That's, that's <laughs> all I do, Dynasty podcast stuff right there. That was that was outstanding. Um, speaking of the, the Yankees, and we know Lasagna was kind of a guy that possibly could have made the rotation with the injuries to start the year, got a couple looks. But Domingo Herman's really taken off, and we don't have to go super deep on this, but what are you thinking with Domingo Hermonks? He's been lights out good. Is this going to be a guy that'll be there all year? Are they going to have an in, like, uh, innings limits on him? And they want to kind of bring him back a bit? Is it, or is it for the rest of the season like, this good of a guy?
2: I have been slow to come around to him. Um, but, uh, I mean... First I just I wasn't in on him because I didn't think that he would have a role for very long, but then it's just been a cavalcade of injuries for the Yankees and he's been able to hold on to a rotation spot. And uh I also thought of him as pretty much just a two-pitch pitcher. Um, but he's been leaning on that changeup uh, pretty hard this year and it's been successful so far. Everything's been successful. Um missing a lot of bats, got solid control. But uh one thing to note is just uh I would take his results with a little bit of a grain of salt because his uh, slate of opponents has been just incredibly easy. Um, he did look really good against my twins who are actually a pretty stacked lineup right now, but, uh, you know, your poor giants, uh, let's see the angels, Royals, White Sox, uh, Orioles and tigers. So not exactly a murderers, murderer's brother, so... row. Yes. <laughs> he's been able to take advantage of some weak offenses. So he's, he's not this good, but, uh, I mean, if you've got him, you got to hang on to him until they pull the plug.
1: Yeah. I I usually always talk about the twins on these podcasts with you and I'm in love with them especially when it comes to fantasy wise. They have, I picked them to win the central to start the season. That's looking pretty strong. I'll give you a couple minutes here. If you want to talk about the twins, I will give you the floor before we bury the Indians with the next topic.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, they, they kind of coincide. It's uh, it's been very satisfying so far as a twins fan early on, everything is really clicking well. Um, I believe we talked in the preseason and I'm mentioned west yep. johnson the new pitching coach um and already you can you can see a pretty big difference i mean obviously martin perez uh he was killing it tonight i guess i don't know um i didn't check the box yeah, score to seven see. If he nine up... K's. there we go yeah, yeah. so uh, seven i was, I was... Nine
1: K's outstanding
2: yeah yes yeah. so uh, he's been just incredible recently and so that's probably the biggest west johnson success story early on uh getting him with that new cutter and uh finding that increased velocity and uh, he's got Jose Barrios just throwing a ton of breaking balls and everything is clicking. Jake Odorizzi is even uh, coming along very nicely and so everything is clicking on the pitching side and uh, you know their their investments right now and like uh, well I mean Krohn has just been okay. Scope has been pretty solid but just getting all of that right-handed power in the lineup uh, everything is just uh, it's just coming together and uh, as long as I I will say their bullpen could still be better. I still wish they would have uh, signed another, you know, another strong reliever, but they can always trade for that at some point. I hope they do it soon because now is their window to really set themselves apart uh, in that division. Of course, you know we, we we're going to talk about some Corey Kluber, and they've already lost, um, you know, Mike Clevenger. So uh, it's a, it's a rough lineup there in Cleveland, and I think this is the Twins' time to pounce.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Talking about the clue bot there. Fractured forearm. He's gonna be out, I'd imagine at least two months, if not longer, because he's not gonna be able to throw. Once he can throw, he's got to build it back up. I think he'll probably be in, immobile for about a month process for the clue. Kind of not the clue bot we've expected anyways. This really hampers them. You already mentioned Clefager out, but what what are your thoughts on Kluber right now? Like are you cutting baits tough to do but you know, can you really hold that roster spot assuming You don't have any IL spots for you?
2: Oh boy, that's tough. I, God, I I would have to be really, really crunched before I would be able to hit the eject button on Corey Kluber, even though he is going to miss a substantial amount of time. That's, I mean, obviously you spent a lot of draft capital on Corey Kluber and even though he wasn't exactly living up to that price anyway, Man, there's just so few pitchers that you can kind of rely on. So, I I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd have to be in a pretty tough situation before I would uh, jettison Kluber off my squad.
1: Yeah, it's tough to do. Uh, last injury note we'll talk about here is Juan Soto to the I.L. with back spasms. He was kind of playing off and on through them. They finally sat him down. Backs are no joke when it comes to injuries. This kid's young, 20 years old, already having back issues uh what's your you have what's your level of concern when it comes to Juan Soto It might not be for this year, but what's your concern with the back issues with Juan Soto,
2: yeah, he's doing his back out from carrying that team on his back all these. Two years already, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a slow go for Soto to start off with, um, you know, not quite the numbers that we were expecting from him, but nothing that I was concerned about by any means. Um, I did have one share of him in the aforementioned auction league for the for the podcast. It's an OBP format, so I was stoked to get Soto and his uh, immense walk rate, his 406 OBP from last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, we are seeing this with Christian Yelich too. It's just kind of one of those things. And I don't know if you've ever had any back problems yourself, Bubba. I've been fortunate to largely avoid them, but, uh, the two times in my life where I have dealt with them, I mean, it's just crippling. (laughs) Um, you, it's so stupid because you don't have a, you know, a sideways arm or anything. It's just, uh, you you can't really do anything. And, uh, it's kind of one of those things that eventually goes away with the right treatment. So, I mean, obviously you're hanging on to them and just kind of hoping for the best, but uh, I would try to add a, you know, try to have some good outfield depth just in case this is one of those things that comes back uh, at a different point in the season.
1: Yeah, back problems suck. I I, I had a really bad one last year. It, t- it flares up from time to time, but last year was the worst I've ever had. Like, I could not get out of bed. It was brutal, mm-hmm. so... And I'm not a professional athlete by any means. I'm just a fat ass. So there's a big difference there. Um, So I hope these guys guys can get it figured out sooner than later. But uh, we shall see. 20 years old just kind of scares me a little bit. But time will tell. All right. Let's go to the fab portion of the podcast. Week six, fab results from TGFBI. Per usual, we'll try not to make fun of people too much. But, you know, if you outrageously spend on someone, we're going to mention you. (laughs) But uh, that's just how it goes. It's uh, it's cool just to kind of see where everybody's going here. Let's talk about a prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was from the Giants system. He went from anywhere from a dollar to eighty three dollars. It's kind of the other reason why we we like to bring these up. Nate is it's cool to see how different each price range is because it, it like each league anywhere from one to 82 bucks for Brian Reynolds for crying out loud. Uh, James Anderson was the high bidder. He spent seventy one more dollars more into in his league in the Champions League. But uh, what's your thoughts on Brian Reynolds because from what I remember as a Giants guy, not a ton of power, really, really good average. What are you seeing from him?
2: Yeah, um, that's that's not too far apart from what my opinion was of him coming into this season. Kind of a a guy who never, I don't know, never got that much hype, I guess, as a prospect for a guy who has a really solid bat. Um, so I you know, I could see spending eighty three dollars on him if you if you need a bat, I'm not going to make fun of um, Oh yeah. James Anderson uh, for, for picking him up there, especially if you have a need, I'm um, not necessarily sure, you know, when everybody's healthy there, if the playing time continues, but uh, you know, if you, you need a short-term source of batting average uh, and, you know, a guy like Verdugo, who we already mentioned is long gone, then uh, Brian Reynolds, you know, not a bad way to go.
1: Yeah. I like that quite a bit. The playing time is the biggest concern for me with Reynolds um, when everyone gets back and healthy, but for now he's, He's doing his part to keep it going. He's playing better than Cole Tucker, who everybody wanted to grab a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, Chris Bassett, pitcher for the Oakland Athletics, went from anywhere from a dollar to one hundred thirty-one dollars in two, four, six, and and ten of the TGFBI leagues season here. Kind of was injured a lot last year. Do you have any input or thoughts on Chris Bassett going forward?
2: Yeah, I actually invested in Bassett uh, this week, and so that that already covers all three of my uh, my investments in TGFBI this past week. I had Lysiga for forty three, Trevino for twenty two, and then Chris Bassett for seventy six. And I I lost Jamison Tyon in uh, in that league, and so that left a gaping hole uh, in my rotation. So uh, I definitely am intrigued with Chris Bassett. He just barely snuck onto my uh, SP barometer top one hundred this past week. I think I slotted him right in at 100. He's he's got my uh, he's got my eye. I mean, he's been um, I, I believe working with a new curveball grip, and uh, that's been getting a, a ton of whiffs, uh, 20% whiffs with the curveball, and then uh, with the slider to 16% whiffs. And so we've seen that strikeout rate really high early on. Um, so I don't necessarily have huge hopes for him, but those are at least intriguing enough. Things to point towards where maybe he can be, you know, in a 15 team league like this, maybe he's a guy who can kind of be your fourth, fifth starter and not destroy you. And, uh, you know, maybe if he does blow up a little bit, at least he gets you some strikeouts. So that's kind of where I lie right now with Chris
1: Bassett. I like that quite a bit. Uh, I went for him. He went higher than I wanted, but I'm with you there. I think there's a lot to like. You know, an A's pitcher gets, you know, half the starts at Oco Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Always a plus. So, I don't mind that one bit. This is an interesting one. I see the appeal of adding Derek Dietrich from $12 to $69. Not going to judge any of that. He went in like 13 leagues. He's been red hot. He's got middle infield and outfield eligibility. I believe eventually that regression monster is going to come and hit. But, hey, ride it while you can with all the injuries. Do you have any thoughts on Derek Dietrich right now who's absolutely crushing baseballs? Um.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the fly ball rate is up really high so far, 48% um i you know it's it's the 33 percent home run for fly ball rate still <laughs> so i think it's a little bit of short sample magic so i wasn't chasing him personally anywhere this is just another mouth to feed in that offense that we were talking about with uh, josh van meter a little bit ago so uh you know the, the playing time should be there as long as he's hot i mean why would you get as bad out of the lineup at this point um, so, yeah, you know, so if you just need a short-term fill in again, I think he's okay, but I wouldn't necessarily expect, um, you know, 30 home runs from him this year.
1: Yeah. Dietrich could be the one that gets squeezed out by Scooter Jeanette. That's a very good possibility there. Yeah. Um, let's go to another prospect. Angels pitcher Griffin Canning made his debut last week. The NFBC policy is if they weren't drafted, you can't add them until they get a, a playing time in the big. So you couldn't speculate a bit on him. He went from as low as $3. Goldschmidt happens, got so lucky with that one. He went <laughs> as high as 229 in the league, and I Jeez. don't disagree with any of these prices. Some are a little steep. Some are a little steep because we don't know exactly where he's going to be. But what's your thoughts on him? Do you think these are steep prices? 153 or higher, a couple 200 are or higher, but uh, the spectrum is very wide. And just what's your thoughts on Griffin Canyon?
2: Yeah. If we get into the 200s, that's a little bit more than I was willing to go, but he is a a really interesting pitcher. He's a guy who I liked a lot uh, coming through the minor leagues. Um, Got pretty decent strikeout stuff, pretty solid control as well. So he's one of those guys who, you know, if you're in a TGFBI league where, you know, he just didn't exist before and poof now he's in the player pool. He's one of those guys who can actually make a difference for your team. He could get you a lot of strikeouts and some pretty solid ratios and, um, I think he's one of those guys, unlike Sega who you, you know we don't expect him to necessarily be up for too long as a starter, either if he gets injured or the Yankees actually get healthy. But Canning, on the other hand, I do think that um, as long as he continues to pitch halfway decent, like he's not looking overwhelmed, and I don't think that's going to be the case, I think he can be up for the rest of the year as those Angels are just kind of grasping at straws in that rotation at this point.
1: Yeah, I like that quite a bit. I was trying to get him, didn't work out, but I agree with you there. He could be a nice piece. A couple guys we don't need to talk too much about, but Howie Kendrick, he went from anywhere from $3 to $33 in about six leagues, getting a lot of playing time, already went deep on Monday night. Um, and then James McCann went from $2 to $81. He's scorching hot. When catcher's market's pretty bad, I could see the appeal, maybe not $81 appeal to uh, Hunter Denson in league 12, but the rest were from 2 to $33. I can see the appeal there. The guy I wanted to ask you about, is Jalen Beeks? He went from seven to seventy-eight dollars. To me, he's this year's Ryan Yarborough. Are you believing in these changes by Jalen Beeks, who many might forget was a part of the Nate Yovaldi trade from the Red Sox?
2: Um. Yeah, it looks like he's you know in- increased increased that slider usage quite a bit, or the, the changeup rather. Uh, I can't say that Beeks is a guy who I've really ever been a huge fan of. Um, just, just never been overwhelmed by the stuff necessarily. But, uh, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you're in a deep league like this and you're kind of, you know, scrapping it, uh, possible injury fill-ins, um, you know, I, I guess I can't fault you for chasing Jalen Beeks, but, uh, I think I have to see a little bit more from him, particularly in the control department before, uh, I'm going to consider him sort of my cup of tea.
1: Good to know. Uh, you mentioned you grabbed Johnny Lasagna. He went in 10 leagues in from $1 to $69. Uh, John Duplantier, he went from $1 to 27 bucks. I bet $11, so did at FSAA in our league. So he got him over me. But $1 to $27, these move back to the pen? They're stretching Duplantier out. What's your thoughts on John Duplantier once he comes into the rotation? Most likely maybe this weekend, if not early next week.
2: Yeah, so he's getting the chance because uh, Zach Godley was banished to the pen because he has been ungodly bad, to steal a joke from Sammy Reed that I think he used on the nasty cast this spring to describe Zach Godley, which I liked. And, uh, yeah, so I I like Duplantier a lot. Um, Always been a fan of his throughout the minor leagues. Uh, Not a guy who has ever put up a ton of innings. So you do have to factor that into account a little bit, but I think once, uh, once he gets stretched out, he's going to be a pretty nice option. And honestly, I think that's a pretty smooth move to add him, you know, kind of before he's up. Uh, So if you got him this week and you didn't pay out the yin yang for him, then I think you're going to be pretty happy with that investment.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think this guy's going to be very, very good. So something to keep in mind there. Um, Kelvin Gutierrez, a guy that kind of stumbled upon me. He, uh, is in the Royals. Royals called him up. Played really well this last week. Went from one dollars to forty six dollars. I'm still doing research on the guy. Do you have anything on him, or are you still kind of in the same boat?
2: Uh, yeah, fl- flying pretty well under my radar. Uh, I, was, I was focusing more on uh, on the pitching this year, or this this past week rather. So um, I don't I don't have any uh, super keen insights that Calvin uh, Gutierrez will be the pickup of the year. I'm afraid.
1: No worries. Uh, Lee Trevino went from fifteen all the way to two hundred dollars. The high prices are a little steep, but uh, I see the speculation needs. I get it. But two hundred, interesting, Mr. Chuck Johnson. Um, Lucas Giolito yeah. is popular. Luke Jackson, possible closer for Boston or for Atlanta, is popular. But let's talk about your boy, a like guy I, I drafted in TGFBI, so I got him for zero dollars, and I still own him to this day. And he's two starting this week. Dominated tonight. Martin Perez, for one hundred and sixteen dollars. Mike Barner in League 16 got him for 116. All right, is this Martin Perez thing for real?
2: Man, it's looking like it. He was Okay, so I tweeted about how crazy different he looked in the preseason when I just kind of sat down and randomly turned on some twins, and uh, I couldn't believe that it was Martin Perez just pumping in heat from the left side. And uh, I was also informed that he was throwing a new cutter, which now he's just – throwing the crap out of that thing. And it's been awesome uh, instead of a slider that was never any good. And he's he started off, uh, you know, I kind of had my t- tail between my legs for a while because he started off really slowly uh, pitching out of the bullpen. The twins didn't actually need a fifth starter until I want to say two and a half weeks into the season, something like that. Um, so you know you didn't need him to start off. You can even use him, and he was uh, giving up a lot of runs in the bullpen. But ever since he's moved to the tra- transition to the bull or the to the starting rotation, uh, he's just been incredible. And uh, he's rolling right now. the The command is better. the uh, The velo isn't quite as high as it was in spring training, but it's still better. And uh, even if you're throwing ninety four, ninety five from the left side, I mean, uh, that in itself is is really solid. So uh, I mean, there's some really concrete changes that you can see in this profile that are worth buying into. Uh, all hail Wes Johnson.
1: Yep. I love it. I, I am all aboard it. I've been a big fan of it. Reaping the benefits now. Say you own him. At least you have picked him up. Do you try to flip him or do you not think you'll get enough to flip him?
2: The, probably the latter. I mean, it's still Martin, the Martin Perez uh, stigma. Like bleh, who really wants him? You know? So I think I would rather just ride the train, Um, You know, I'm not saying he's going to be an ace or anything by any means. I'm not saying he's going to go seven shutout every time out. But, um, you know, there's definitely enough here to for him to be, I think, worthwhile
1: to start right now in all formats. All right. Let's go to the big spender of the week. Nate Lowe. Lowe. This is (laughs) Lowe. Get it right. Uh, Went from 87 to 520. I, I mix it up. Doing my quick hits every day. I do second base is Brandon Lau, wow, first base Nate Lowe. So much fun. Um, yeah. But eighty-seven to five twenty, Thompson outbid me by two hundred sixty-four dollars. I was a runner-up bid <laughs> too. Um, he he wanted his man. I got. I, I'm like tongue and cheap doing it because I think it's a ridiculous amount of money. But hey, if you want your guy, you want your guy. You know, he went for three thirty-three to Stanson. He went for two eighty-one, two seventy-eight, all over the board. Um, Roto Wong got for eighty-seven hundred dollars. I'd like to smack. smack michael alexander upside the head and say you lucky bastard but um (laughs) what's your thoughts on nate lowe he he, everybody wants him it's the next wave of prospects getting called up
2: yes and he is going to probably be one of the most impactful um so i can see you know as as much fun as it is to try to laugh at matt thompson and (laughs) say dude you just spent over half your budget you know blow that fab wad but, uh, you know, if he really sees him as being this year's sort of Juan Soto, you know, not as far as the same minor league trajectory because he came out of nowhere, but, um, you know, as, as far as a guy who will get on base a ton and just hit for crazy power, uh, that can potentially be a league winner. So if if you really think that, uh, and it's it's definitely on the table, then I don't I don't blame Matt Thompson one bit for spending over $500 on him. I have uh, Brandon Lowe in – uh, or Nate Lowe, rather, in – three leagues, I think myself. So uh, I definitely do think he's going to get on base a lot. I think he's going to hit for a bunch of power. Is a pretty slow first week, but uh, I think he'll be a lot better. And, uh, you know, maybe the Rays don't even platoon him. Maybe just they just kind of let him go. Uh, but either way, I do think that he's going to be up to stay as long as he doesn't just really struggle. But I don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. That's why I was I was aggressive on him. I was aggressive, aggressive as Matt. And like I said, that's why it's tongue-in-cheek. I get it. If, if he's Thinks he's the next one, Soto. You spend this kind of cash, so uh, I hope it works out for him. I got him in the barf league, um, for about the same bid, and the runner up is like 70 bucks cheaper than me, so just goes to show you league to league how things differentiate. Just a couple more to talk about. Letters to 177, he's getting the closing chances in Texas. Jose Leclerc, he's looked better in his non save roles, they paid him this offseason. Do you still think eventually Leclerc's the closer again, or do you think Sean Kelly it's his job to lose?
2: i i would be hanging on to jose leclerc um i only have the one share of him and it's in a dynasty league so i'm definitely hanging on to him there so that's a little bit of a different case but um i think kelly can be fine well he's got the job but i you know like you said they paid leclerc i think they want him to have the job well this is again kind of like what we we're talking about with uh with paxton like If you you drafted Leclerc, you know that the command was an issue. That's part of the profile. That's part of what you bought. You got a lot of strikeouts and a lot of walks, and this is going to happen from time to time. The walks are going to really come back to bite him. And, uh, man, I mean, I watched one of those outings. It's just a disaster. He just could not find the glove. So um, I don't know if it's something mechanically that he has to get ironed out so he can find the plate a little bit more often, but I would definitely be holding on to Leclerc. Um, at least in 14, 15 team leagues, saves are pretty easy to come by in 10, 12 team mixers. So I don't think you necessarily have to hang on to him there. Um, but in deeper leagues, I would be doing my best to hang on to Leclerc.
1: Yeah, I think Leclerc gets a shot again too. It's it's mainly, like you said, the control issues. If you look at his baseball, Savant, his stat cast numbers and in pitching, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the stat cast. I like hit I've got a pretty good grasp on, but, He's like the biggest positive regression or candidate coming his way. Like if you look at all his X stats, his X-WOBAs, all that stuff from a pitching perspective, there's a lot of positive regression coming his way if you believe those stats. So figure out what it is. There could be good things coming from the clerk yet again, but time will tell. All right, last guy I want to ask you about here, Tyler Molly. went from $12 to $144 this week. It's the second time I've seen him pop up here. Outside of the 144, it was 12 to $41. He had a two-step this week that could have had a lot to do with it, but there's also been some improvements shown this season. What are your thoughts on Tyler Mullen?
2: Yeah, there has been some changes there. Been. Yeah, no, I, I do actually because, he I've been toying with him sort of in the back end of my top 100 and uh, because he has made some changes this year, he's uh, uh, you know throwing a curveball a lot more this year, uh, pretty much ditched the slider, which was garbage for him last year. And so that's, you know, some, again, some very tangible changes to potentially buy into. Um so Even with that, he's, uh, you know, strikeouts aren't through the roof, but um it is also encouraging that, you know, it, just to back up a little bit, I mean, it, it was so weird, right? Coming through the minors, he was a real control artist, right? He never walked a ton of a ton of batters. And then last year, 4.26 walks per nine. Like he just, he was all over the place. This year he's got that walk rate back down again. I think that's a little bit better indication of what you're going to be looking at with him. So, I think that he can be sort of a back end guy in deeper leagues. You know, probably in that starting pitcher eighty to one hundred range. Um, so not, again, not expecting great things, but a useful deep league guy here.
1: Yeah, no, uh, he's been a guy I've streamed even last year. Streamed a bit this year. He's a DFS guy you can target from time to time. I know you can him out there loud. He's got good stuff, like you said. There, there's potential there for this guy to figure it out. So I, I don't mind that acquisition by many people there. It could be quite interesting. All right, everybody. This is where I let you know the fantasy baseball bus is about to, to derail, so you can <laughs> go somewhere else if you want more fantasy baseball knowledge or come back later this week. But Thrones, yet, episode four. You might want to you know catch us later as well, come back later. But my friend Nate and I, Nate is a Game of Thrones probably multiple times now. And um, I want to ask you first, Nate, before we get into more details on it before, what's your overall thoughts of this season so far?
2: Uh, Overall, I've loved it. I mean, love, love, loved it. There's been a lot of consternation online. I don't know. I think, I feel like a bunch of talking heads are kind of trying to make us not like it, especially, you know, last week's episode, the long night. Um, I watched that and I, I had, sky high expectations for this everybody knew it was a battle of winterfell and i from start to finish i just absolutely loved it um the, the only thing that kind of you know kind of bugs me i've watched it three or four times now that episode i just love it so much there's so many cool parts um you know it is kind of disappointing that they really you know Arya did the deed at the end and we didn't get Jon snow as azora high with the flaming sword against the night king so that was a little bit of a disappointment, but otherwise um, there's there's nothing that I would really change from that episode. And overall, uh, I thought that this, this season has been uh, really good. Obviously, things are moving a little faster than you would like them to, but that's just what you were going to get when they, you know, even before last year or last season when they said we were only getting 13 more episodes. So timelines have always been a little bit crunched. So that kind of sucks. But, um, yeah, and then this episode, honestly, this this one was probably, uh, I guess, the slowest or my least favorite of the seri- of the season so far. Um, it was the first one that I didn't immediately go back and rewatch after it was over. But that's not to sell the episode short, because I still thought that there was a, a lot of great scenes, um, even a little bit of action, which I didn't necessarily expect. I thought this was going to be like a full on breather episode, uh, oh. kind of set everything up for next week. Um, so yeah, I, I I can go on and on and on. But uh, what what have you thought about the season so far?
1: Yeah, I, I echo your sentiments. I really have enjoyed this season. It's if I had to be negative on it, a I'm negative on like you said. Every there's there's so many people find flaws in it or to make arguments against it. Instead, of I think you even tweeted it out and I, I talked to multiple people about it. Just enjoy it for what it is: television entertainment. That. A, the writers, if you like him or not, wrap the bow on it the best they can after having so many books to go off of. Now they're trying to create it their own way but still keep it happy for him. That can't be easy. And then secondly, you know, I think it's been great. It is, it sucks. It's this fast, but like you said, we knew it was only going to be 13 episodes. They can't have it drag on for 15 seasons. It's just not going to happen because if they made it even a 10-season 10, 10 show, it would be the slowest show on the history of the planet because it's going to get us to the finish line. Just might be a little faster and more, you know, stuck together than we'd like. So that's kind of the downside to it. Um, when we talk about, so they have the big party and everything, and, and Daenerys is starting to show signs of being some Mad Queen action inside of her. Um, what's your thoughts just on her overall, her interactions with John and how John, like, she does the whole thing with her and John and it seems like she's either going to kill someone and go crazy or she's going to get killed because she won't, she won't stand to have him there as well. Basically.
2: yes see. I see all, I think a lot of people absolutely hate what they're doing with Danny. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I mean, um, so she's
1: turning into her father. It's amazing.
2: Yes. Yeah, so from, from day one, really like even when she's doing great, she wants to break the wheel and she's, the breaker of chains, you know, free and all these slaves and everything she wants to do well. Um, but really it's a lot of it throughout the entire series has been her listening to her advisors and her advisors telling her that uh, just, you know, burn them all is not the way to go. You know, we've been harping on that for uh, several seasons now. And uh, it's to the point, I think, I think they set it up really nicely and uh, really blatantly as well in this last episode where, you know, they're, they're sitting around, they're partying, like you said, uh, they're celebrating this great victory against the dead and uh, it just focuses on her and you, you just all of a sudden you know, everything gets blocked out and you kind of travel into her brain and she's all alone. All of a sudden, uh, you know, John's talking to somebody else. She's just lost. Uh, well, she's, she's about to lose Masande, She's about to lose Rhaegal. And she just lost Jorah, uh, Most everybody that she's known is toast. And uh, so all of a sudden she's kind of losing her advisors. And uh, you can see her kind of start to slip a little bit. And then, like I said, towards the end of of the episode, um, she's set to go into full-blown Mad Queen mode. And I am so excited for her. There's going to be some crazy mischief next week. We're going to see if anybody talks her off the ledge. But I think there's going to be a lot of dragon
1: fire. Yes, and I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, uh, Sammy Reed, uh, he, he's he's a genius. Like you mentioned, quotes he's done on your show, and just everything he does in general. That's why he's a writer of the year many times. He had a great tweet. The top, um, the history of the most brutal deaths in Game of Thrones history. He's got a picture of the blood wedding, red wedding, a picture of the mountain bashing in the skull. He's got um, what's Stannis's daughter getting burned at the stake, and then a picture of Gendry asking for. Um, oh. <laughs> Arya's hand in marriage when she tells him no. That, um, it's actually genius. Like I'm sitting there the whole time telling Mjolnir, "Don't do this. This is not what Arya wants. Arya wants to kill people and mm-hmm. be on a mission, and she's not going to settle down. It's not her style." And the like, Gendry shot his shot, and so, like, what are are you glad they're kind of ending that story arc? So I know there's a lot of people uh, that wanted this to kind of be, you know, a marriage, and you know, they run a kingdom together.
2: Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen with Arya now that she's heading down to King's Landing. I wonder if she doesn't uh, turn into one of the people who don't make it past the final episode, um, depending on what she's in, in for. But, um, yeah, I, I think that I'm really glad that she turned him down, even though he's now the Lord of Storm's End. Like, that's awesome for him. But it would have been really, um, you know, it, it's not her. Like she said, literally, it's that's not me. You know, that's kind of been a prevailing th- uh, phrase for her throughout the series. She, she put those words in Nymeria's mouth too, when, uh, she crept away back in uh, season seven. Um, you know, that's just not what her character is. She's never been a lady, as she said. So, um, yeah, that that would have been disingenuous to her character if they had actually all of a sudden made her all lovey-dovey with, with Gendry. So I really liked uh, how that went.
1: A couple more things from Winterfell before we, uh, Head closer to King's Landing on the episode won't be quite in order of how it portrayed the episode, but uh, Jimmy Lannister he gets his in. People over rejoicing because it's what they've always wanted with Brienne of Tarth. I could care less. Like it, it's cool, whatever. Not my 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 not the deal breaker for me. What is my question for you is after you know it looks like probably round two with Brienne, he decides he's going to get up and jam back to King's Landing. <laughs> I told my wife I'm pretty sure. He's going to try to kill or stop Cersei. Not to fall. Is your thoughts? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the old dine and dash, man. That was cold from Jamie. He just yeah,
1: took her virginity and broke her heart.
2: Yeah, what a dick move uh, from him. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm completely with you. You know, he's he's phrased it like he's going to go down and basically, you know, be with Cersei again. But I definitely think that he's going down there to kill her, and that would complete the Velencar fo- prophecy, which is one of the prevailing prophecies throughout the course of the series. So I think that's I think that's got to get done. I wonder if he didn't actually behave like that just to keep her from following him down to King's Landing. You know, I think he was just kind of an asshole on purpose. Um, you know, so I, I think that's kind of what his motivation was there. And yeah, he's he's going to kill Cersei, and I, I don't think that Jamie makes it out of King's Landing either.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think he goes down in a blaze of glory is what I think happens with Jamie, and I'm all for it. I'm really looking forward to these last two weeks As people should probably can tell by now. But um, so when John is talking to his sisters and Bran is sitting there and says, it's up to you basically, and he has Bran tell the girls who he is, I was that was probably one of the most furious moments of the entire episode for me that we did not see a reaction there. And then he's also telling them to trust each other And the game of phone tag or the little finger tag starts right away. What was your overall thoughts on a, I guess the interaction where they find out who John really is, even though we don't really see it, a reaction and then B how quickly the word spreads throughout the entire kingdom.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, so John tells Sansa, you know, the, his real name and everything. And immediately she just tells everybody she knows. Um, Go, go figure. But yeah, actually I don't have any problem with the way that they did that scene because you know, we got already this season, we've got Jon's reaction for learning his, his true family lineage. And then we got uh, Daenerys' reaction from him learning his family lineage. I mean, I don't really need to see that a whole bunch more times, you know, with, with Sansa and Arya. I thought it was actually kind of clever the way that they did it. And I got a, a, I had a true LOL moment when Bran said, it's up to you, you know, whether you want to do this or not. You can play this however you yeah. want, man. And uh, and that's huge, huge, huge because I you know he kind of knew that if he said anything to anybody, this word is going to get out and it's going to screw Danny. And so he chose family over Danny. Although technically, I mean, it's do you still think family,
1: we uh, screwing family and then he's screwing family? So it's you know is what it is. Um, do you think Bran actually has a vital role in these last two episodes, or we kind of seen the end of it when the Night King? Was, was was killed, is that kind of the end of Bran? Or do we have more from him in these final two episodes?
2: I can't help but think that next week, along with all the battle action, there's going to be some kind of twist. Uh, and I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I, I think it's going to, you know, involve the Mad King Ares and Daenerys and, and maybe Bran and, you know, some, some crazy crap going down. Um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of in the same way, like, Heading into this last episode, I was really waiting for uh, Sansa and the Hound to kind of have their reunion. You know, it's been a whole season of reunions. And uh, I was really disappointed that Sansa never got to talk to the Hound and kind of uh, hash over everything that they had gone through. But finally, they did. And so I wonder now if, you know, we haven't seen much from Bran all season, even though he is the all-knowing in every every, every single scene, right? Like, you just think... My God, just to get in your head, <laughs> I want to know everything. Just spill the beans on everything. Um, so I think that he still has one more big
1: uh role to play in these in these
2: last two episodes. I really do, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, I hope
1: so, because we we built this character up so much. It's like, okay, let, let us let us in. Let us know like what's the, the big hurrah here that, that that built all this up to where it is. So hopefully that happens. And I, and yeah, the Songs and the Hound thing was pretty awesome. That was that was good. This is why I'm not the little bird anymore. And it was it was really, really, mm-hmm. she's a, she's a powerful, powerful woman. That would scare the shit out of me. Um, but I respect <laughs> the crap out of her at the same time. Like, she's awesome. Uh, last part of Winterfell. The way John treated Ghost made me want to call Peter for John. And I'm not huge Thank you. Him, but okay. that was the worst freaking thing. I've. I'm a dog lover and like he couldn't even pet him or give him like a kiss goodbye or it's like, no, you just go with torment and go to the wall. Like, the dude's got a singed off ear and all kinds of things, and he's whimpering for his owner, and he just gets on his horse and rides. So, what was your take on that? Because that was horrible,
2: absolutely horrible. Yeah, I'm glad if, if you didn't brought that up. I was bring that up. I was going to like, what kind of monster are you? You can't even go pet your freaking dog or dire wolf, I guess as it were, uh, as you're you know sending him away. And it just crushed my soul. They, if there's one thing that I will ridicule this show mercilessly for, it's just for completely botching the direwolves. Yes. like You you start off with them being such an integral part of the series. Obviously, it is in the books, and that's what the show is based off of. So they knew what they were doing, and then they just basically phased out uh, the remaining direwolves. You know, ghosts we barely saw, and uh, Nymeria made an appearance. Do we ever see Nymeria again? Lord knows. Probably not the way that the show is dealing with these direwolves. Um, and it's just uh that that really makes me glad that I at least have the books to uh to look forward to hopefully they come out yeah. um because I know that George will not do ghost sturdy like that, and uh they're you know i mean these they're such an integral part of the Stark family in the books just to see that happen yeah that that absolutely drove me insane,
1: yeah, that was that was garbage all right, let's head towards King's Land you go to Dragonstone where Danny and her dragons and her people were heading back on boats and somehow dragons that can fly higher than anybody and be out of range of any weapon known to man <laughs> is flying as low as possible and all of a sudden we lose one. And it was dreadful. It was very bad. It was that was the first real shocker moment in the show for me. Like like you said, I thought it'd be a quiet episode. And then here we go. To the chest, to the to the wing, and then through the neck, with the blood everywhere. Devastating. Um I did not see that coming. What about you?
2: No, yeah, not at all. I thought, you know, just la di da, we're gonna get some more dialogue as we trek down to uh uh to Dragonstone and then to the King's Landing and yeah, then out of nowhere there's that. And that's one of my favorite things that the show does is yeah. all of those kind of surprise Uh, battle moments, you know, that's uh, basically what hard home was, which is maybe still my favorite episode and, and the spoils of war as well. one of those surprise things where you just don't see that coming. Um, And so this is one of them to a much lesser extent, obviously than, uh, the Lutrian battle or Hardhome, but uh, it was still really cool. Is you know see Euron kind of do his thing. He's another character that the show hasn't really handled well compared to the books. He's just kind of a lunatic in the show, but it's it's at least nice to see his armada doing some damage. And for the shock value, I think it was worth it to maybe uh, override the questionable, um, I guess, logistics of how you didn't see an entire fleet coming up on you <laughs> before you've already lost a dragon. Yeah, it was pretty um, rough. Yeah, so that's one of those things where if you think about the logistics, there's a lot of those things, especially in these last couple of seasons, where if you dwell on those, then you're just not going to like it. But yeah. I take a little bit more of a, you know, a lighter approach to that. I don't overthink like, well, you know, this is so many miles from here to there. It's supposed to take you two episodes or whatever. You know, I don't dwell on that kind of stuff. You can tuck yourself in circles with that. So um, I was surprised by it. It caught me off guard and I really liked it. So, um,
1: you know, I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Yeah, no, it was pretty crazy, and they took out the fleets with the rest of their weapons. It was crazy. I thought Daenerys was going to fire off with the, uh, you know, good old Dracarius action there, which she just kind of took off and left her fleet to go. But uh, they come stumbling upon shore, but Euron got Masandi, um, and that was very not good, as we can tell. So, you know, there's a couple scenes at uh, Dragonstone, nothing too crazy, kind of re- re- regrouping. But back at King's Landing, Cersei's doing her bad girl thing, like we talked about before the podcast. Euron finds out he's going to be a daddy, or at least she makes him think he's going to be a daddy. And good old, uh, our good old boy Kyburn is creepy as hell. But <laughs> before the final scene, the final meeting, do you have any other things that I've missed out on between, you know, Dragonstone, between maybe King's Landing that we haven't talked about before we get the, the standoff here at the end?
2: Uh, just that I'm really glad that Tormund didn't die because he is just yes. so much fun. <laughs> Drunk <laughs> Tormund. Oh my God. Like just to, to spend some time with that man would it would be a ball. And, uh, there's, I also tip my cap to the lucky lady that decided to bed Podrick because we know what a stud he is. So <laughs> <Good point. laughs>
1: the look on Podrick's face when they play the drinking game and they, they said, you're <laughs> a virgin and he starts to drink. And then the, and then the lovely lady of the night comes and woos him away. It was like, is he? The-
2: is, has he actually had a line all season? Because I don't think he has.
1: I don't think he needs one. <laughs> that's, just, that's true. <laughs> it might be. he might ruin the whole thing if he has a line.
2: That's true. And he. I mean, really, he, even in the books, he's just kind of a you know, a kind of a bumbling, unconfident dude. So uh, to see to see him as is sort of a minor character arc uh, yeah. is still very satisfying and fun.
1: Yeah, at least Tormund, I, I'm kind of surprised he's not going to Kingsland. I get the argument. I, I, you know, I'm a Northman, blah, blah, blah. I get that. I thought he'd go to be with John to help John. I, I was kind of surprised by that aspect. But at the same time, at least he gets to uh, take care of Ghost. So at least Ghost isn't just getting flued away. He gets to hang out with Tormund. Life could be a lot worse than that, I'll tell you that much.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that did also strike me as peculiar. I wonder, I can't imagine there's going to be anything really going on in Winterfell until maybe the end of the last episode. But uh, it yeah. seems like there might be some reason where they, why they left him in the north that we don't know about yet. Because it does really seem weird that he would just, you know, kind of piss off and let John go fight his own battle when he's been with him, you know, so many steps of the way. I, did, I do agree that that was weird.
1: Yeah, he took the whole wildlings' arming back with him. It kind of seemed odd. But um, let's get to King's Landing, the standoff, where apparently Cersei can blow up buildings with thousands of people in them, but will follow the rules of war in situations like this, She where she has million, like tons of arrows pointed at people, but she won't fire them because this is the rules of war now. And the standoff happens. We can go details if you want, but it's basically Tyrion tries to plead with her after Tyburn's worthless. And um, she, she stops them from firing arrows at Tyrion. I thought for a second that we were about to lose Tyrion. After we lost a dragon, I thought Tyrion was about to go now. Like, here we go. Game of Thrones in full effect. But we don't. She does that. But um, she, she finishes Masandi off. But Masandi has the greatest one liner of all time. Well, Tracarius. And then on Twitter, that last night it says AK burn that bitch down. So <laughs> that was outstanding. There's, there's all kinds of different takeaways from there. What was your thoughts from that final face-off there between basically setting up the big battle next week?
2: Yeah, so uh, when, when you were talking about when Tyrion approached her, I mean, my heart was beating hard. I really did think... That that was going to be the end of Tyrion. I'm like, Cersei is she DGAF right now, and she's just gonna finally end him. You know, we got two episodes left. I guess this is how Tyrion ends, and then he was okay. You know, so that that was actually a little bit of a letdown. But um, yeah, I, I I wonder how dumb Euron is because obviously there's no way that Tyrion could have known from across the sea that uh, <laughs> Cersei was pregnant. So. Yep. Uh, he's Euron is really dumb if he doesn't catch up on the uh, pick up on the fact that Cersei was lying to his face about that being his baby. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that resolves. I don't think he'll be too happy about it because I don't think he's that dumb, but um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a tough way for Masande to go. Uh, I think Gray Worm is going to be chopping off some heads himself next week, and I think he probably goes down in a blaze of glory. Because what is, you know, what do we really need him to do in the rest of the show? And that's kind of what I was thinking about Torment, too. Like, you know, if you're just going to kind of have him fade off and do nothing, I don't know why you wouldn't just kill him and like get some more tears from the Game of Thrones crowd. But um, so that's what kind of leads me to believe maybe we haven't seen The Last of Torment. Uh, but I, I do think that. Grey Worm is probably toast this next week but like I said it did get my heart racing towards the end it was good to see the mountain finally do something even though it was taken off Masande's head like he's just been standing there for like four seasons now doing nothing so uh hopefully we get Clegane Bowl next week by the way very excited for that possibility the mountain has to die
1: in Clegane Bowl right yeah
2: yeah man Uh, maybe they both die I don't know but um yeah the hound has always been one of my favorites and uh that's that is going to be some good old-fashioned popcorn-eating television right there.
1: And that's the way to get the mountain away from Cersei to expose Cersei to her death. Because he stays yeah. there and protects her at all times. So there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of ways to see how that goes. But one thing we forgot to mention, and when you mentioned your heart racing with Tyrion, what about when Bran shows up, or Braun shows up there, when Tyrion and Jamie are having a little powwow, and things get a little heated in there? That was interesting as well, because Bron is definitely a man of give me everything I want and more
2: yeah i will say that uh that got my heart rate up a little bit too just because braun is a little bit of a wild card you know that he's always been out for money but at the same time i never truly believed that like he likes he likes those guys right like he's yeah, obviously I, ne- I never thought he'd kill him. no no yeah he's I, I think that his want for for castles and gold uh probably ends with uh jamie and Tyrion. yep i'm with you there
1: all right. It was, an, it was a good episode. It was a good setup episode. It wasn't a battle episode, but um, Cersei's actress, or, or not Cersei, um, the Khaleesi is what I still like to call her, Daenerys, um, <laughs> she already came out and em- Amelia Clark and said this battle scene was her favorite that she's done. So I can only imagine, like you said, this might be a lot of fire. As Cersei tried to say, let all the civilians in, she won't blow up a bunch of civilians. I think things might change as she gets crazier and crazier. So this could get fun, mate. This could get a lot of fun. What's your final verdict on Game of Thrones? How do you think it ends?
2: Oh, boy. I, I hesitate to even think. Like, I'm one of those guys who, uh, you know, I've got expectations in my head of what will sort of happen, but I'm also one of those guys who avoids Reddit and reading fan theories because I believe George has actually said that someone has nailed it, like how it ends. Oh, out wow. There. Yeah. And I do not want it to be spoiled. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've stayed away from all that and, uh, I am just going to kind of lay back. And, you know, I I think that probably we see the end of Danny next week. I think, you know, they're leading us to believe that uh, she goes mad queen and I kind of tend to think that she does and, uh, she probably meets her end there. Um, and I, I, I don't, have any idea who's going to be on the iron throne if indeed it still exists when she's done burning them all um but i i do know that varus will die because you know that's what melisandra had said like her and i you know back in season six or seven you and i are both going to die on westeros and then he got all wide-eyed uh when he was talking with melisandra there so i do think that uh, he's going to kick the bucket but i don't know how i don't know why But uh, we did see a little bit of ulterior motives from him, you know, talking Uh about uh, treason and he's in it for the realm. And so I think if, you know, if if Daenerys goes all mad queen, then maybe he tries to intervene in some form of fashion. Uh, So there's, uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. And this is a culmination of, I mean, George's uh, crazy plot line. You know, it's been going on for decades and decades. And uh, I think the show is going to end a lot similarly to the books from what George has said, you know, the, obviously the secondary character is going to be different, but Uh, I think he's got something crazy in store for us over these next two episodes. I can't even fathom what it's going to be, but it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I think Daenerys, if she doesn't die this episode, I don't think she's making it to the end. And I think, I think most of the deaths are happening next episode and um, and the sixth and final episode will kind of be the wrap it up and clean it up. And this is where we, we end things episode. So I think everyone wanted a lot of carnage in Winterfell in in that battle. And I I like how it happened. We had some deaths, but you can't have all the big guys die. Otherwise, what are we doing in King's Landing? Like, they had to be here for this. And now now it's a free-for-all. Like, this is like, if you're a wrestling fan, this is the Battle Royal. This is the Royal Rumble. Like, throw them all in the cage. Let's see what happens. Um, It's going to be pretty (laughs) awesome. And I'm looking forward to it. Like, I I, I don't read the Reddit forums. I've heard some different ideas. And they're all over the board. I'm good with almost everyone I hear. just because they're so unique, so Game of Thrones essence where – There's going to be a surprise factor in there some way or another, which I'm all for. So it's going to be awesome regardless. Like you said, the fact that, you know, George is at least working with the writers to try to steer it in the right direction is good. is a good feeling. So like all these years aren't going to waste. Um, So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I have a feeling we'll be chatting about it on Twitter or something later, my friend.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Yep.
1: All right. Let's wrap this bad boy update. Before we let you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up?
2: Yeah, man, thanks for having me on again. Uh, always awesome talking baseball and thrones with you. Uh, anybody out there listening wants to find me on Twitter? Just search my name. It's at Nathan Dawkins. and uh, Fantrax HQ is where you can find all my written content. And you can search for the Nasty Cast and Fantrax Dynasty Baseball anywhere that you listen to podcasts.
1: Awesome, man! Everybody, go check out Nathan on Twitter and the great podcast. The boys in the Nasty Cast are a damn good time if you like listening to Bench with Bubba you're going to love the nasty Cast. pretty simple as that go check all that out but until then everybody thanks for listening this is Bench with Bubba episode 168 with Nate Dockett catch you guys later